Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting in Snake and Jake's Christmas Club Lounge in the heart of the Clempire with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, man. What is going on with you? Uh, you know, same old thing, Manny. The heat is kicking in. It's, oh, uh, God, it was, it's uh, brutal. <laughs> it's uh, raining every day or, or not threatening well, the rain. It rained today. It didn't rain yesterday. Right. It's threatening to rain every day. It's not my neighborhood. It's yeah, yeah. But it uh, didn't rain yesterday. No, it's but brutal. And you know, the only good thing that comes out of the heat is the murder. Sure. sure. We love the murder. Well, Kill more and more of these fucking people. Well, man. it's... Uh, kill whether, them all. Whether we like Take it or not. Take our bayonets and just kill them. Them all, okay, well, you know, and I like the heat for that. I don't like it for anything else. Okay, you know, but I like the heat for that. Right, the well, way it makes you hallucinate that it's 1918 and we're going to fix bayonets again. <laughs> I don't know what that means, means, Manny. Okay. No. Well, it's anything's possible here. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. I mean, the Troubled Men podcast. No, well, I was in a, a hostage situation. <laughs> huh? Really? And the guy who was holding us hostage kept telling the hostage uh, negotiator that he was going to take his bayonet. Mm. I never forgot about that. Because who uses a bayonet? Who uses a bayonet? Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like a machete. Who uses a machete yeah. anymore? Well, Even every once in a while you hear about that, yeah, but you yeah, rarely yeah, hear oh, the yeah. bayonet. Yeah, you'll see, see some yeah. machete attacks now and then. Well, uh, well Manny, uh, d- uh, current events this past weekend, we had uh, kind of the, the last... Uh, big weekend of a lot of activities i guess they they scheduled these things because they know the heat's going to kick in so this is that's kind of the the, they had three festivals going on they had the nola river fest which i played down at the uh new orleans jazz museum Uh Uh, right across the street at the uh french market they had the tomato creole tomato festival uh, at the same time, while I was playing on stage, the naked bike ride came down Decatur Street. Well, they're all Street. connected because they're all gay. These festivals, and then right? and then uh, then they had the the uh, gay pride parade yeah. uh, uh, d- down uh, the other side. Uh, down yeah, that, the, that uh, naked bike race—that's an international thing, isn't it? They is all it? do. It. Yeah, yes. I, I don't know. Yeah. World naked yeah. bike ride. I did see some photos of it. Um, and what I found hysterical and kind of painful was a lot of these naked people had no bike seats. Yeah. You know, they yeah, just well, had the, what do they call that part that goes into the seat? Uh, uh, the post? The cock? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I was, I was going to warn the, uh, yeah. the, the troubled nation to be careful of anybody selling any uh, used bike seats. Because, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know. It was just world yeah. naked bike Because right. you don't know where they've been. Yeah, yeah. I'd, 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 I'd uh, go new. I'd well, spring for, know, the, for the new one. Speaking of current events, this mm-hmm. isn't so current. Okay. But there are some updates to this. Um you know, uh, I think while you were uh, gone uh, raping that kid in the van on your tour, <laughs> I don't remember the mechanic. That, but, uh, uh, oh no, I thought he had, thought he was he was on me. But anyway, um, but anyway, you know, uh, it shows you the stupidity of people down here. Uh, uh, I don't know if we talked about it, but that that Puerto Rican tourist came down here and he rented a car from Hertz at the airport, hmm. and he had a Puerto Rican license. He says, "I'm here to get my car." And the people at MSY, the per- person at the Hertz place, says, I need your passport. He goes, I'm Puerto Rican. I don't need a passport. I'm fucking American. Yeah, I'm a fucking, you know, <laughs> I, I'm a part of this union, you know. Right. And she denied him and denied him. <sighs> and it was like, and I, it, it made the national news. Yeah. And yeah. then she goes, 
do you want me to call the police on you? And he said, yeah, yeah. call the police on me. <laughs> so it gets even better for this guy, though. Uh, they call a state trooper who says, yeah, we need your passport. Oh, bro. You're Puerto Rican. Oh, and it was brother. like, how can people be so fucking stupid? Uh, you know, it's, uh, I blame the education system. Yeah, man. I do too. It's yeah. just like, you don't know this. So, so he goes, the state trooper goes, do you want me to call uh, the border patrol? The uh, guy says, yeah. yeah, call the border patrol. <laughs> and found out later that this Puerto Rican guy who's is retired FBI. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how fucking stupid can you be? Holy cow. You know, so... It made national news. It's an embarrassment for this town once yes, again. Yes. Another embarrassing thing, you know, I think I told you, um, you know, during Jazz Fest, there was that uh, shooting and a murder at Mandina's. Right, right. And I told you that the one waiter was the victim. He was, he was the guy they were looking for to kill. But uh, a tourist got shot in the leg inside the restaurant. Uh-huh, who had some connection to you, right? Yes, okay. yes. I said that because uh, I work in publishing and... Um, I was talking to a pub rep I know in Chicago, and she told me that one of her co-workers' wife was the one who got shot in the leg. Okay? So this is great. Yeah, this is really good. Um, so I actually talked to her again about 10, 10 days, 14 days ago, and I said, hey, how's that friend of yours? Because the news reported, and the police reported, and everyone reported that the bullet went right through her, and she was good. Uh-huh. Well, that wasn't the case at all. Yeah. She was at the New Orleans emergency room, and the surgeons there, the doctors there, said, oh, you're okay. It went right through you. Well, she gets on a plane. She goes back to Chicago. She's not feeling well. She goes to the hospital. The bullet never went through her. It's uh, still in her. Oh, jeez. And it wasn't in her leg, which was reported by the cops in the news. It wasn't her leg. It was right here, like oh. in her side, near an artery. Oh, man. So, How stupidity, could they miss that? Stupidity of the cops, the news people, the fucking doctors down here. This poor woman could have died. Yeah, how could they miss that on an x-ray, man? Not, not see a bullet Well, how can they know? not know that Puerto Rico's not part of the U.S.? Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's just like... I, told, I said, she's got to sue. Sue these motherfuckers big time. And then what happened was while she was in the hospital, the owner of Mandina's calls her, wants to know how she's doing. A reporter calls her, wants to know how she's doing. She never gave out her number. So hmm. how did they get her number? The fucking NOPD gave out her number because those are the only ones who would have had it. Huh, okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. Scary man. fucking stuff, man. Yeah. Fucking this city, man. It, it's pissing well, uh, me. Well, I saw they uh, they caught the guy that that did the Mandina shooting. He's he's under arrest now, apparently or allegedly. He fled to Houston and shot and somebody else, else. In, in, yeah. in Houston. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, he's a busy guy. Yeah. I but, went to uh, Mandina's that following week, and it was delicious. Like, yeah. Just like that. <laughs> yeah, well, it... Uh, and it, it, yeah. they were very hospitable. Yeah. Great staff. Are they taking credit nice. cards? Because they always used to just take cash. I didn't pay the bill. Oh, you didn't pay okay. the bill. Okay. Yeah. You dined and ditched? You <laughs> no, dined no, and ditched? no, no. Somebody yeah. else paid the bill somebody for you. Okay, there you go. It's an art party. It was a birthday for someone. Yeah. All right. Well, I haven't yeah, been yeah. there in years. I really didn't care for it the last time I was there. Yeah, they make a, a mean uh, uh, roast beef poor boy. That's mm. they make delicious roast mm. beef poor boy. 
Well, I'm a vegetarian, uh, and even I found it was, I think I got uh, eggplant parmesan. Probably okay. That sounds Delicious. like a nice meal. And the meal. onion rings or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, make good Creole. Was, it was slamming. Creole, uh, you know. Yeah, Preventful so that's uh, pretty ridiculous, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge yeah. oversight, man. Oh man, on wow. everyone's yeah. part, yeah. Yeah. right, right. So, uh, so yeah, I was down in the French Quarter. Uh, you know, had had a nice meal uh, on Saturday night. Had a, the night off. I played on Saturday during the daytime. Actually, uh, ran into our guest here. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we were, were down uh, when I was leaving the uh, the. The uh, jazz museum. Go put my equipment in my car. We we uh, stop by Frenchman Street. So our our guest about to start is set at uh, Favela Chic there, mm. the old Cafe Brazil building. Yes. We're gonna get into uh, all that with him. But I yes. uh, saw so we had uh, well just right across the street tonight. We uh, we we keep talking about Jimmy Chubbuck, you know the yeah. old uh, uh, Jimmy Slut from uh, the Sluts. Uh, he's. St- I wondered why you asked. The- about him, still you know, there across the street. Well, yeah, yeah I asked our. Gu- was, like, I, I asked our guest he if, if he if he knew uh, Jimmy Chubbuck, and and you were saying uh, yes, you did, right? Indeed, he looks like the Unabomber. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what Jimmy looks like. <clears throat> well, he's still me. he's still slim and trim. That's that's yeah. that's good. When I was, you know, I grew up here, and when I went to high school here, which was in the seventies, yeah, there was this school that was. A uh, specialized school. It had a very small number of students. For special it called, people, it was called Spectrum. Oh, okay. okay. Was that run out of uh, McMain? It was in the building with McMain. Right, right. But previous to that, other people that went to that. School, previous yeah. to that, it had been called Gateway, and it was one of these like idealistic, been set up by young hippie te- quote unquote teachers at that time. So you could you called the teachers by first name. You at the time when it first started, students had even more pull like they could decide some things in curriculum things like that but still when i was there and it was called a school without walls right when i was was there it was very is this where they would take you all down to the courthouse and and have classes (laughs) at uh uh, like a civics class at the at uh, civil court or something because we had another guest who talked about that anyway it was in this well it's hard to i'm trying to get into it uh, right right go ahead and and, and, so uh, the high school was it was part of a Part of it was you worked half the day at a job at which you thought you might be interested in and you had to go find that job. So half the day you were out of the school building and you were just looking for a job. Mm -hmm. You find that job and fill out a report on that job at the end of the year. And half the day you were in class, you had an ID that said you you couldn't be uh, pursued for truancy because this was a school without walls, right? Call the teachers by first name, very informal, 150 kids in the whole school. So each class was maybe 25, 30 kids, uh, you know, as far as senior, freshmen, that types of class. And kids who were there, it had to, to maintain its funding, it had to maintain that same racial balance as the city of New Orleans. Okay. At the time, it was 60 black, 40 white. Or something. Mm-hmm. So they had plenty of black kids to get into this school, which were kids who had achieved in other parts. You had to take a test to get in, kind of like Franklin in that sense. You had to take a little, you know, a, a test to prove aptitude to get in as well. Right. So they had plenty of kids who wanted, you know, that experience from that side. They had very few white kids in the system who would, in, so who ended up in this school spectrum from the, from the white side was kids who had gotten kicked out of Franklin. Uh-huh. <laughs> kids like me who were, who would kind of quit McMain and junior high and then was kind of getting back into this, you know all these misfit kids right right and one of them was Jimmy Chubbuck okay uh, 
and in civics class our our very you know conscious and civic minded civics teacher who who was you know very active and you know he told us the mayor's assistant son is coming and you know we we're made very aware of it mm -hmm. and we're like oh jimmy chubbuck the, the assistant to the mayor's son and then jimmy came in <laughs> with the studded bracelet he was already full on you know, punk punking rocker, out, uh, yeah, and just basically nodded out there. At his he desk. was the mayor's son. Mayor's assistant's son. Oh, okay, mayor's assistant. Yeah, Who was one, the mayor at the time? <sighs> Dutch, Dutch Morial. Morial. Uh, okay. Right. And then, yeah, Jessica Goldfence was also in that school. Oh, okay. So there was some, you know. It was. It was. Yeah, I think we had uh, nice. who was maybe uh, uh, Tom Fitz. I think Tom Fitz uh, Fitzpatrick talked about. I think going to that school. Oh, that would be a little probably before. Yeah, my before time. your time. Yeah. Right, right, right. But yeah, I think I think yeah. we, we had that, as well. that in my school back in L.A. We had it was called SWA School Within a School. Okay, you went to Uni High. Yeah, maybe. and uh, uh, basically it was just we just smoked a lot of pot. Yeah, we did that too. Yeah, yeah that was part of your pot. curriculum. Yeah, part curriculum as well. Pot. And you know, leaving because we had an open campus, so we could just go open campus exactly. Yeah, we could go anywhere we want. Uh, that didn't do work so well, I think, for a lot of people, but uh, it maybe was not. Fun. It worked great for me, I thrived in I the can environment. Tell. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's also when I first met that was when I first met you today. I don't know if you remember that actually. First though. met me, yes, in high school. Well, I was still probably right tailing off or had just finished high school so i think i was probably 17 or 18 and you're a little younger than me i think yeah i think so and the reason is because my girlfriend in high school and your girlfriend at the time had been best friends in middle school and she's now your wife i believe by the huh. way okay right yeah yeah i remember her <laughs> yeah 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 so they were best buddies okay and so i was over at her house and i remember meeting you but I don't think we took much, too much note of each other. It's a weird one of these memories well, that just I, sticks for no reason. But I do remember that on your arm, you were doing these finger things. Finger you exercises. you kept doing these up and down things. And I was like, what, what is that you're doing? He was and looking he, for a vein. Yeah. Looking for a vein, yeah. And he says, <laughs> basically, you assign a doing. number to each finger, and then you imagine number combinations, and you try to... Now, that's one of these memories that could be clouded up with some other things. Yeah, no, no, I, I remember yeah, 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 okay, all right. Well, yeah. I do remember meeting you under yeah. those circumstances. I just didn't re realize it was so far back, but, uh, but uh, exactly. that does make sense. Well, uh, Manny, do you have anything else? Uh, well, yeah, you guys talking about nice couples and stuff. You guys <laughs> were nice couples, I guess, uh -huh. at a very young age. Uh, a, a, a nice couple just moved in next door to uh, uh, in my neighborhood. And um, it's kind of crazy going nuts, but uh, they've been there only about a month, and they made a sex tape. Mm. Huh, how do you know How that? do you do well, it? Yeah. they haven't seen it yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, wow, you set us okay. up. Well, um, but uh, they're good kids, you know. All right. Just All like right, well. another guy I want to talk about. Okay. Well, you know, he just passed away yesterday, uh, uh, the Unabomber. Kid, uh, wow. Did he passed away yesterday? Yeah, he uh, committed suicide in his cell. Huh, really? Oh, yeah. another suicide. Yeah, he committed suicide. Mm. Uh, I just want to say, uh, you know, I read his manifesto, cool. and uh, the guy was right. Yeah. He's right. 
Everything yeah. in this manifesto has come up. And he was right. It was way ahead of his time. I mean, all the shit that's going on today, he predicted, you know, uh, and he predicted our society the way it is, how divided it is. And technology as technology has just torn us to shreds. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to go say he's my friend. Right. But he was right. <laughs> okay. He was a good guy. Okay. But he was a good guy, yeah. A little misguided, perhaps. Well, maybe. Yeah, in, in his, uh, his he probably needed to just get laid a couple of times. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah know, maybe write some letters to the editor without without the bombs, perhaps. You know, he could I have know. done that if he had just embraced the technology and got on Tinder or whatever. Then we got laid plenty. Well, he would have been so much happier. I don't think so. Well, uh, we had another death, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, I came up with this uh, instead of R.I.P. for people that we, we don't want to rest in peace. So I'm going to say uh, B.I.H. to uh, Pat Robertson, burn in hell. Uh, so Pat Robertson's uh, currently sucking Satan's cock in hell. And, uh, you know, not a place I believe in, but, uh, but, but he but did. But you believe in heaven, but he don't did. you? Uh, you know, there, well, I believe that... You don't that believe in hell, I, I but believe, you believe in heaven? I, I believe that the, the righteous of every nation have a share in the afterlife, and I'm not yeah. sure what that means. Wow. But, every uh, nation? Of, every nation. Of all people. Uh, all all people. Good, uh, good, good people, for, no matter what religion you are, have a, have a share in the afterlife, whatever that means. But, uh, but anyway, not bad people. No, no, not not bad people, not 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 Pat Robertson. Can you think some of those bad people can slip through with your nation? Uh, maybe, maybe, you know. maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, I'm 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 not uh, I'm not manning the filter. But anyway, yeah. um, well, you got anything else to clear before we uh, introduce our guests? Here? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, I just found out today that uh, Mr. Pat Sajak, one of my heroes. Mm. Uh, has announced his retirement. Right, I saw that. He's going to only do one more season of one of my one of the greatest shows ever invented on television, Wheel of Fortune. Did you send your and resume? In? Did you uh, send your resume in, Manny? Listen, let him let him talk. Okay. Greatest show ever by one of the greatest producers ever, Merv Griffin. And Pat, we're going to miss Pat. I just hope Vanna maybe bows out with him because she's not looking so good. No. Yeah, she's, you know, come on. You look at all these other Wheel of Fortunes all over the world. I mean, these chicks are hot, man. I mean, they're young. Well, she's, like, she's nice. been with him forever, yeah, right? 41 years. Wow. You know? Wow. And they wow. never fucked. That's the thing. Huh. Well, as long as I don't, I don't know. Maybe they no, you did don't fuck. No, right, we don't. You know. Anyway, I'm kind of sad, and we'll see. Uh, I, I hope they don't get that fucking chick, Maya Bialik, to replace yeah. them. Yeah, because she, <laughs> she, she can't handle both. She can't handle. Uh, she can't handle one show. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I just want to give a shout out to one of my heroes, Pat Sajak. Okay, I saw that. I was thinking about you, Manny. Yeah. Is it ever just like maybe they should fold the show like Zeppelin with Bonham? No. You know what I mean? Yeah, like no. Maybe it's without that show him. averages. 40 million viewers a week. <laughs> That's something. So and they why do have, would they, they are all the over show. the world. Yeah, all no, over the yeah, world. No. Very franchise. Why not? It's, it's amazing. Yeah, they're printing money over there now. Very interesting. Not going to get rid of that. All right. Well, uh, good luck right, to you, Manny. I hope they. I uh, hope they do uh, uh, tap you for that. Yeah, they should tap you for that, Manny. You'd be fine. You'd be fine for that job. All right, well, uh, let's get our guest on here. So he's, uh, is obvious, as, as he said, a guy I've known forever here. Apparently. He's a legendary... He doesn't remember, but no, yeah. I no, mean, no, no. Just no. that one day. It's <laughs> no, not like we... Yeah. No, anyway, he's a legendary guitar player, singer, songwriter, band leader, sideman, philosopher. 
He's played in all kind of bands like uh, Tribe Nunzio, Band of Lagoon, Second Lion, play with the Alabama Slim, uh, Strawberry. He's, uh, he's lived on Frenchman Street for like 35 years. Uh, he's there in, in pot prison. And uh, anyway, we'll get into all that. But without further ado, the great Mr. Kenny Claiborne. Welcome, Kenny. Thank you, Renee. It's quite an introduction. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I like to, I like to have the build up to the letdown, you know? Yeah, so, that's uh, the best way. Right, right, right. So, Kenny, you, uh, you grew up in New Orleans? Yes. Okay, and uh, you come from an old New Orleans family? Mm, I don't know, not, not, not old New Orleans family. Okay, but... No, my, but I am f- I'm the first generation in my family born in New Orleans. Okay, right and, on. And uh, my family come from, some from Louisiana for a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, elsewhere. <laughs> okay. The uh, yeah. You Go come ahead. from a artistic family. Uh, yeah, I get. I and someone told me your father was a filmmaker. My father was a filmmaker. Okay. And uh, teacher, and um, a f- photographer. Okay. Creative type. Nice. Uh, creative type, and also working a lot as a stringer for Life magazine as a as a overseas correspondent for like um, Formula One, which was popular back in uh-huh. those racing, times. Right, sure. racing. Is his name Rory Claiborne? <laughs> no, not oh, at all. Okay. No, no. And then, and my mother was. I mean, the family is creative. Like my mother's parents. My mother and my father met in the Little Theater oh. in, in Lake Charles. That's how they met. My father was stationed in Lake Charles for, during the Korean War. My mother was... Her, her, two, her parents were very active in the Little Theater in Lake Charles. Basically, oh, did, like the did, they, did they the know the Kushners theater. by any chance? I don't even know oh, okay. everybody they knew. All right, you know all right, what sure, I mean? sure, but, sure. Right, but yeah, they were. Like so they were very active over there. So in a way, yeah, artistic in that way. All right. Yes. So you already told us that you went to uh, Spectrum. Uh, a question I always ask people who are from New Orleans: right. What high school you went That's to? Where so, I it was, went. so it was a Spectrum there spectrum. At, at McMain. Um, and uh, so, what neighborhood did you grow up in? I grew up in my early childhood. In Old Metairie. And then when I was 11 or so, we moved into New Orleans, which okay. was when my sort of life began. It was very When did Old very Metairie stark. become Old Metairie? Because it had to be Metairie at one well, time. Well, actually, where I lived wasn't Old Metairie when it was built. Yeah, but yeah. it became Old Metairie. It was, uh, I, um, so it kind of changes. I think that boundary Metairie. changes with a certain amount of... Uh, you know, some kind of weird classism or something. I have no idea. Okay. I merely call it that to be distinct from, you know, way out vets somewhere. I'm trying, yeah, well, to, be, trying well, to be geographic, right, well, not well, in any way, you know. So, so. Old Metairie is kind of built on that uh, Metairie Road Ridge. That's yes, what I think of Old exactly, Metairie. Right so it's, the ridge, it's, right. it's on the ridge and, and, yeah. and you know what I just, mean. just straight Metairie or new Metairie would be closer to the lake. It's uh, low yeah. land. It's developed yeah. in the last uh, 70 years, yeah. you know, along Veterans Expressway. Uh, yeah. that's, that's, so that's the difference between Old Metairie and, and uh, regular Metairie. Yes. So, uh, so you, you graduate from high school. Uh, you, you go to college somewhere. You hang around New Orleans. What goes on then? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I finished high school, let's say. Finished with it. Congratulations. Um, and then uh, it was 
I actually went to, I quit. I went to, I got a, a GED. I went to Loyola and I went to Tulane. I went to Tulane first. I went to Tulane for maybe a year or half a year or something weird like that. I had been, my mother was worked for Tulane University in an administrative capacity. And she worked there for a long, long time. And to her, the university, this was the 60s, and all, I, as a little kid, I participated in the takeover of the UC. We were like a little revolutionary family. Okay. You know, I was, but she, she believed in the university in a way that led me to be very idealistic about it. And everything I was alienated with about high school, that it was social or non-academic, that I was, you know, I knew more, I already overread the teacher and wasn't, ple you know, these things. I thought, and when you get to college, we'll sit around like the forum and discuss Plato finally, uh -huh. right? And then there I go off to Tulane, a very kid who was brought up very poor in New Orleans. I was, you know, I was a very poor kid, so that's part of the story in Old Metairie is that I was very shunned in Old Metairie. I had hand-me-down clothes that didn't fit and long hair, and I was called like a... Uh, I was friends with black people, which let me be very much, you know, I was spit on, beat up every day in my life in Metairie, called a, wow, you know, okay. a blank lover, right, etc. Right. Very harsh existence for wow. me. Very harsh. Faggot, blah, blah, lover, you know, fuck, you know, just horrible. Right? Are they still calling you that today? No, because when I moved to New Orleans, I, I found life. Uh, found a real life. Other people like you. Yeah. Uh, other people like me and just a whole a place where you weren't, everyone was poor. Yeah. When I, where I went to middle school, everybody was dirt poor. You weren't judged any harsh way for being poor. There was oh. no one who paid for lunch. Everybody got free lunch. Right. Everybody had clothes you didn't. Everybody was hustling. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So Tulane's going to be great, right? Well, big mistake. Tulane's highly social. Of course, it's highly caste system around money and status. Oh, yeah. And no one's paying attention in philosophy 101 to what the hell Plato said. Right. And, uh, you know, my teacher got it and tried to take me aside and tell me, just hang with it, hang with it, you'll get it. I was young because I quit high school young because it was idealistic to get on to this further study, uh -huh. further level of study. And, you know, it was just high school number two. And yeah. I, I didn't last there long. Also, by that time, I'm playing at Jimmy's already. Okay. I've been playing in bands for a while. Now, what kind of bands are you playing in early on like that? It's so, what kind of music, or, or, or how, did you, how did you get into playing? Yeah, I've started, I was probably, when I, f I was 15 or 16, or 16 or 17, mm -hmm. 15 to 17, somewhere in that age range. I, you know, I had gotten an old guitar from my brother. My father had passed. My brother quit playing guitar. I got the guitar. I'm sure I substituted some of my father thing into this guitar thing, and I just... I heard some Neil Young and some John Lennon stuff, some Bob, and I just started writing songs. So I'm, I was writing already, a da-da-da. I met a friend, and he was like the, you know, I thought you'd do it in pairs, because Lennon McCartney did it in pairs, mm -hmm. so you do it in pairs. So I, I met Jimmy Cass, and we're going to do it in this, that's going to be us, you know? And and uh, started hanging out outside of Jimmy's or outside of Jed's, you know what I mean? Just right. like, yeah, kind of too poor to get in and we're right. very young. Well, it was a whole scene like was hanging outside. out on the, on the sidewalk, exactly. man. You, you could you could go across the street to the Willow Inn. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you, were, know, right, you were and, also uh, around, right, get, exactly. Get, they would serve you if you were uh, yeah. 13 or 12 years old at, at the Willow right. Inn. You could get a, a 80 cent highball and, yeah. and sit outside of, of, of uh, Jimmy's and hear all kind of great national acts play. Yeah, and so it was new wave days. It wasn't like before, it was pre, you know, hardcore. Maybe hardcore was going on, but that wasn't, you know, I was there, so I saw, we saw the cold, and we kind of had this weird love-hate. We loved it, 
because like we go all the time but in another way we're like we could, we could do this you know we could do better than that sing the normals we as could well do better yeah, than yeah. that okay all right and yeah all those things and so all we right. started our band then pop start which was the name of the first band and we did that you know there and like i said that was the one that led to you know at the time gigs in fat city at like the showboat yeah yeah like that <laughs> gigs that uh you know the rose tattoo these older these plays the beat exchange which was our very first gig you were saying that was the, the yeah, your, your barbara first hoover yeah. barbara hoover mm. at the beat exchange yes. which is now uh, uh marini studios yes now Marini that, that, studios. that building but you know the beat exchange that's the the place that i was supposed to play my very first gig with alex uh, chilton uh-huh and it's uh it's that's what i was hired for that i didn't wind up playing on the gig because the gig got pushed back so late it was it didn't start till like two or something. I had to leave town. I just left my equipment. I said, "Here, you could, you guys can use my equipment." But so I, I didn't wind up playing the gig. But that was uh, that was my, my introduction cool. to Alex was, was oh, wow. uh, involved the beat exchange. Nice. That was something I was thinking when I was to people who aren't really from New Orleans. It's probably like we met. I highlight the day we met and it was, you know, so young. And then, of course, I was buddies with Alex and you were obviously buddies and worked with Alex for years. I was, I was probably friends with him a little later than you knew him. But, right, right. But it's funny that, and, you know, your band, the Iguanas and Tribe Nunzio, were definitely intersecting a lot. Yes. So we've, but I don't really, you know, we've never satisfied more than we've ever talked. Yeah, yeah, probably so. You know, <laughs> so we, it's we funny always... here that like, people hear that and probably think, "Oh, they just know each other real good." Blah blah blah. blah. But it's right. really interesting. Here, you can be very kind of close to someone; they're almost in your family in a way. Right, right. But well, you don't necessarily see them all the time. Or well, anything. I, I've always seen you as a kindred spirit. You know, yes, who, who, who uh, you know, it's, it's uh, I always felt comfortable around you, and 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 we do have so much in common, so much yes. shared history. You know, yes. Um, you're talking about Tribe Nunzio. Yeah. You know, uh, Jeff Treffinger. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, Holden. I know Holden was you were you and Holden were were uh, close for a long time. Yes. For a long time. Um, and and uh, and then also. Uh, after that, you were involved. You were one of the owners of the Mermaid Lounge, right? Yes, yes. That which, came out of those Trad Nunzio right? associations. Which, which man, the Mermaid Lounge. Yes. Talk about a, oh, uh, man, you know, a, a, a clubhouse, you know, a, a, a center of a scene. Yes. Um, it really hasn't been anything to, uh, to take its place since, since that, that place closed down. You know, I remember when Jeff first, Jeff Treffinger, uh, I think the iguanas played the opening night of uh, of the Mermaid Lounge, their their hard opening, and uh, I didn't really know Jeff well at all then, uh, really at all. Right. And I remember going there and thinking, man, this is a good place to dump a body, and that's all, because nobody <laughs> yeah, will like ever come to this club. Right, right, right. Turned out it was a perfect place to have a club because. Nobody would bother you. We could uh, yes. have rehearsals all night yeah. long. We could have shows all night long. We recorded there on off nights. Mm -hmm. Man, a tremendous amount of, uh, of work was done there. Yes. It was, uh, I was thinking about the other day that it ended up, I think just the timing of it too, that there was, it ended up kind of being a bridge club. Before that, there were more places, I think. And then somehow there it narrowed down because that, that thing that's going on now, say on St. Claude, it wasn't going on like that. No. There wasn't really a lot of alt space in the market. Now there's a fair amount. If you count Gasa Gasa, the uptown scene, the, the St. Claude scene, you know, there's more places, more venues. But so it kind of was a place that was like a little seed bank 
for the, you know what I mean? Right. And all those other ones. And, and it was a great, you know, that we nurtured a lot of great bands there, I think. Yes. And, but, and at that time, uh, Cafe, I mean, uh, uh, Frenchman Street only had a handful of clubs. It, it hadn't right. ex- exploded. It had, uh, no. you know, Snug Harbor had been there for a bunch of years. Uh, the Dream Palace had yeah. been there on and off. It w- didn't seem, you know, I mean, it was open when the radiators were playing there in the, the 70s, and then it would close down, right. and it would, somebody else would open it up for a little bit. And then, uh, ultimately, Ade opened up uh, Cafe Brazil. Yes. And that was kind of the the anchor almost uh, of the oh, of the new scene, the, totally, the, yeah. the new burgeoning scene. Yes. Now you moved down there around that time, huh? When, yes. when did you first move move down to to that corner? That's because it's to me that's kind of hallowed ground. It is and, totally. And because like uh, not peop- because of that, it's actually previous to that. I believe. I'll tell you, I could. Yeah. Well, well yeah. Give, give us some give us some uh, some some of your uh, yeah, uh, background you. history on, on the Frenchman Street uh, corridor. I moved there. This it was basically, we've tried to narrow it down. Maybe the same week, the same month as Ade, just by chance, right? As at the time that he moved his business to that corner at the same time, when it was just a coffee shop. Um, but having lived there, my first observation of it, that just to add to what you were saying, I think after being there a long time, I kind of decided that when they say old in New Orleans when it was a seasonal trading post and indigenous tribes would gather along what's kind of now the crescent there by the French market, which was the part that would, where they would do the trading, right? Mm. I just feel like that, that spot over there was where they probably jammed out and played drums and danced. And something about that corner, it's like a, it has it coming up. It's uh, coming out of the ground there, right? right. And uh, they knew that too, and we've talked about it. It's like the real, a real crossroads. Some it's kind really, of vortex. There's something, something going there. on. And uh, with him, he said he's op- what he did was open the doors and let the street in. You know, oh. not basically think up anything on his own. Basically, just let it come inside that that energy in. You know, and then uh, and man, yeah, I just think there's a great something going on at that corner now it changes and it morphs you know right now at that time when uh tribe nunzio was playing there mm-hmm. i remember tribe nunzio would uh, black out all the windows mm-hmm. so that people would have to pay to to see all the fun that was going on in there you know and and, <laughs> and you guys would pack it out and it would be that was still before they had air conditioning at well, uh, at 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 uh cafe brazil and you know, you, during the summertime, it would be you, you would be soaked to the to the through your jeans on the yeah. first song. You know, yeah. that's just how you'd have to play the whole rest of the gig, yeah. and the place would be would be packed. Yeah. Now the iguanas, we when we came, uh, you know, a little bit later b- behind Tribe Nunzio, and and you know, as far as like drawing big crowds, we took a different approach. I said, no, let's let all the windows open so people yeah. can see how much fun we're having in here, and that that will be the selling point. Yeah, yeah, I've always done that i like to leave it open that's my philosophy as well but uh that was uh, again w- you could park on the street at that time you know <laughs> there, there's there's so few clubs and yeah, even though different... even though the the cafe brazil would be packed with people the rest of the street oh the know? whole neighborhood was a dead yeah it was yeah. A, it was kind of like a you know sleepy little corridor yeah it was a i don't want to call it a not a dangerous neighborhood, but it was a dark neighborhood. You know what I mean? That was like uh, previous to that. At that time, when I first 
moved to that neighborhood, it was like crossing Esplanade was like, you know, dodgy. Right. You know, and then that was crossing Elysian Fields, and then it was well, crossing was, Franklin. You and, still had the prostitute scroll. It's that way today, isn't it? I don't know. Now I think it's, it's a little different. I mean, there's, there were no million-dollar homes anywhere, anywhere around there then. You know what I mean? It's a little different now. Right. It was, it was, you know, I mean, New Orleans pre, all that is, another thing is all these memories, all the, all the memories and stories about New Orleans, they have to be divided pre-K, post-K, because pre-Katrina, you had like 300,000 people <laughs> who lived here who were gone the next day, and they never came back, you know, so the whole city when I'm talking about my high school memories or growing up here, the, the way that the new wave scene had to balance or pose itself against, you know, the, a, you know, the, the soul scene or whatever, the, the way that, or the way that they mixed, the way it didn't, the way that they mixed, everything about the dynamic here was very different um, in terms of race, class, and you know expectations for what you would how your life is gonna run well, i think pre-k there was no expectations yeah we right? had low expectations yeah, <laughs> no i think pre-k <laughs> pre-k your expectations new orleans was like in a continuum that was a, a natural sort of indigenous continuum where you knew exactly how you could you were gonna maybe you're gonna be a musician drive a little united cab work a little bit in the oil field and then you know move to fat city have a pool whatever it was your trajectory was it wasn't like a whole lot of oh god i don't know I, this whole thing has just totally gone top you know to me this is in my mm. opinion so it's setting the bar really low pre-k it wasn't low i, I disagree no. and also in the what i'm talking about in the aspect of the racial aspect or remembering memories of neighborhoods um it was just very different when there was uh when it was 70 percent black and 30 percent white you right know? it was a different and it's hard to explain to someone now if you didn't experience that just sometimes things you're saying now could be you know so what's the ratio uh post k is it still the same no numbers? not even close what I think it? it's very. It's, it's not even sixty of, forty now. It's a, so I think it's lot, more. It's closer after, to fifty fifty than that. Maybe. All this out of town money came in. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Tons of gentry. I yeah. mean, just because I remember, like, yeah, when I went tons. to Texas after Katrina, I was in Austin, and right. and uh, there was these jokes where all these people from uh, the Superdome were bused to Houston, and yeah. it said, "Houston, now you have our problem." Yeah, they never yeah. left places yeah. where they went. Yeah, they found better lives in yeah. some ways. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, peop yeah, well, yeah. In some ways. Uh, yeah, in some ways they went to a city that... Ha that, that, that worked. Yeah. <laughs> in some ways, but then I've never... I stayed, okay, all through Katrina. That was another part of my experience of Frenchman. Right? I stayed right there in my house on, on Frenchman the whole entire time, right? Right. So I experienced you, the entire eva forced evacuation. Did you perform any pull gigs? Punches. At some point in the process of staying, right? Maybe of certain time into it after critical needs sort of had seemed to have faded. I decided to start, I was talking about the corner again. The corner seemed silent in an eerie way. And so I decided to put my PA out on the balcony and start broadcasting what I called Radio Marini off of the PA, off of my balcony through a generator. 
so this is pre-internet. Um, no one had their, no one had music in their pocket or any right. kind of way to do. You know, there was right. no smartphone with it. Not pre-internet, pre-smartphone with all that music on it. Right. Right. So for it was very. People found it very helpful the the, the, the playing of the music because it was so it was silent in the yeah. city. At you could that hear time. it a long way. Right, it was eerily silent. I was coming back and working on one of my rental properties uh, when when you know they still had hardly anybody here. Yeah, and, and yeah, so it's a, the silence was deafening. Yeah, and so by playing that, I got you know friendly with first responders, the army. I ended up DJing at these big feeds for the army and the police, and i do that for gasoline. Did anyone ever tell you, to, hey, ice. keep it down, man. Yeah, We're trying yes, to sleep of course, over some, here. Some people, yeah, yeah, but you don't worry about that. It was tradable for ice, gasoline. It was... And crack. The, the most... Flocka. <laughs> the most... Flocka was big then, right? Flocka. I don't know what Flocka even is. You're oh, way past yes, them. do. The uh, interesting thing was it was, you know, after... after Armageddon or whatever after a disaster there's tradable things like cigarettes gasoline pussy pimps moved in yeah, quickly yeah lots of pussy well, yeah of course yeah. and uh, but I was surprised and delighted that music was music. tradable it was totally tradable with this I could trade it for gasoline to the army I could trade entertaining them for f ice for gasoline oh they would they would come and give you uh, gasoline to, well, they uh, know to they, keep the thing running it and forwarded me a little more than that, actually, because what we did was they said, oh, will you come start DJing? Here comes some army units on patrol. They start yelling up, hey, play this, play that, play Metallica. They wanted to hear, actually, play Metallica, play Megadeth. I didn't have any. Had some Zeppelin, some whatever I had that was heavy. I'd play. They loved it. They told their captain. He tells his guys that word comes back. The guy and a, a man who owns the Floribama Bar, and I don't remember his name, but he owns the Floribama Bar mm -hmm. in Florida and Alabama. <laughs> right. Uh, he was doing uh, a thing where he's feeding steak to all the first responders down by the Harris Casino every night at 6 or something. And so between him and these generals, they hire me to DJ for them because they're like, the guys are seeing horrible things every day. They even took me aside, like big you know, four-star guys. They're like, you don't know what you're doing. This is great. Yeah. Now, I guess they could do that with their phone. They don't need, you know, I don't know if it's still tradable. <laughs> But right. at the time, it was tradable, and I was amazed. Nice. Yes. Well, uh, we want to get into more of the, uh, the, the, the evolution of, of Frenchman Street uh -oh. and your experience, but uh, it seems like uh, this is a good time to uh, refill our cocktails, yeah. man. Uh, we're going to take a break, and uh, the nation was here. We'll be right back. Midnight swimming, baby. Dive right off the deep end Midnight swimming, baby My jump fence might break the law
Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Yes, Back with our are. guest, Mr. Kenny Claiborne. Kenny, yeah. I am Renee That's Coleman. Uh, man, boy, there's a lot going on here. It's a, it's a lot of uh, juggalos here tonight. It's the first time I've seen uh, seen a bunch of juggalos yeah, in the like bar. Like the fat slut convention just arrived. Well, you know, the juggalos are the uh, fans of the uh, insane clown posse. You know, oh, you got yeah. Got people in juggalo makeup here. Yeah. Crazy. I might try to get a picture of with uh, with them uh, before, before the night's over. There's a few of them I'd like to juggle, if you know what okay, I mean. Okay, all, yeah. right. all right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe get get into some uh, some some maybe we snaps can afterwards. Take a, a little a video of some juggling. Yeah, some some juggalos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, so anyway, uh, Kenny, uh, yeah. uh, not being totally familiar with the the podcast, you you may not know that we have had uh, some some rough times uh, mm. uh, securing sponsorship. Okay. And uh, we're we're back to our original sponsor, which is Loose Change. Okay. And uh, loose change is just, you know, whatever spare change you have, whatever, you know, stuff rattling around in your pocket, rattling around that uh, couch cushion yes. or, or the, the change jar in your house. And how do we send it to you? How well, do we, we, do we, we, have, uh, we have a couple of links. We have a PayPal link and okay. a Venmo link there in the show notes and, and the, uh, okay. on the pinned Facebook page that we have. And so, so this we, is metaphorical change, not yeah, really yeah. the change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't, I don't, thought you were sending out little envelopes or don't, something. Don't we put, were don't do put like silver in an envelope. No. You can uh, just keep it all digital, you know. It's, it's all we're doing is passing back ones and zeros <laughs> amongst ourselves. So. You know what would be cool would be to get the people who support you here, your regular listeners, and give them one of those old, remember the cardboard thing from the March of Dimes or whatever? Yeah. And, put the little, yeah. and then they send it back. A little box. Well, yeah, we don't, yeah, we don't have to do cool. that, but, but now you you're, put the little, in the stand-up thing. Oh, you reminded like, me. Walk on! <laughs> like Jerry's kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, something on. like that. Like, now you remind me we have a couple of Trouble Men podcast <laughs> stickers <laughs> These for stickers you. don't make you any, but, okay. Yeah, they're not no, going to make us any. That's outflow. I've made a dime on this show, but it's all right. Uh, well, yeah. neither, like, neither yeah. have I. I might have some yeah, change yeah, in my backpack. Yeah, yeah. You want me to check? Yeah. How does that work, though, if people do have change? So what are the steps they have to do to give us their change? Well, so they just uh, get on that Venmo or and PayPal link, and they can uh, just, just uh, punch So they have to go to their bank and put the change in their No, account? no, no, no. People have these, uh, these, these Venmo and PayPal accounts already, and so it just comes from their credit card, whatever they have secured. So it's not there. really their change. It's, it's not. Well, it's a, it's a metaphorical. Yes, yes, oh, exactly. Okay. So anyway, we, but we how, are... If they had, let's say I had like $8 and quarters. And I wanted to give it to the show. Okay. How would I do the eight dollars and quarters? Well, you could just get on and send us eight dollars from your Venmo account. I know, but I want to use the quarters. Well, you could well, come drop them, them off. Bring them to your bank. Bring the quarters to my bank. And then send us the eight dollars. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah. There you go. I got you. And uh, you know, we, we didn't have any didn't have any supporters uh, uh, supporting the show. This this. 
this week. Oh, so, come on, supporters. So we got to come out of come our on, pockets guys. for these well, cocktails. Who was, who was the last show? Uh, Maybe they la- didn't like the last show. The last show we did last week that's coming out this week, and uh, we, we read off the supporters we had then. It was uh, Rob Mailer and Sarah Bizarro. So, uh, you know, we thank them again, and we thank and Mike our— Mike Donahue. He's a big supporter. Well, He's a Mike big Don- fan I'm, I'm still waiting for Mike Donahue to actually support the, uh, yeah, the pop. Put his, he digs his, me. his money where the mouth, his yeah, mouth is. Yeah, he digs Well, good. Show. I'm glad so. Well, yeah, Manny, we he all He understands me. We all understand you, Manny. You know, That's why we continue Mike to do Donahue. the show with you. Yes. Yeah. Shout out to Mike Donahue. My, uh, Mike Donahue, open up those coffers and uh, support the yeah. podcast if you, if you like it so much. Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, maroon. buy us some cocktails. So anyway, uh, beyond that, uh, follow us on social media, uh, uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to the podcast. Give us five stars on the review. It costs you nothing. helps us a lot. Um, we, we still have the Trouble Men podcast t-shirts available there. That link is in the show notes as well. Um, we have uh, Iguana's dates coming up. Uh, you can, it's in July. We're going into the Midwest and uh, Ohio Valley, and you can uh, check the iguanas.com for those dates. Uh, it's the, the, those dates are also in the, in the, the link is in the show notes. And uh, we have the uh, Great Escape Baking Company is offering still the, the Troubled 1-5 discount yeah. code if you want to get some of that Healing Dragon uh, oh, liniment that, that Manny the likes only so much. Thing that's keeping me going. Yeah, it's like a, kind of a, a Tiger Bomb type deal with, uh, with THC, with, uh, with uh, yeah. Delta 8 and CBD. And uh, oh, Manny, Manny gets a lot of relief out of that. Well, I'm in pain for yeah, much, yeah. No, most I hear of the you. time. I hear you. I'm I hear in a lot you, of pain, so it helps uh, me out good 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 uh, so uh, uh check that out and we still have we uh shout out to our patrons uh, on the patreon page those are people uh that, that are supporting us week in and week out we appreciate that it takes the guesswork out of it so uh so uh don't sleep on the patreon page i may come over and mow your lawn for you one day okay well enough of that uh back to our guest mr kenny claiborne yes. Now, Kenny, we were uh, we were talking about uh, your you living on on Frenchman Street, and I want to get to that. But uh, hmm. just to, to go back a little bit, when you were talking about you first met Jimmy Chubbuck, uh, I was asking you if you knew Jimmy Chubbuck. You said yes. You went to high school with Jimmy Chubbuck, and but before we were started the podcast, I was asking you if if you knew uh, Chuck Riley. Yes. Uh, Chuck Riley just passed away, unfortunately. Yes, uh, yes. R.I.P. We we do yeah. wish you know uh, uh, that that uh, Chuck rest in peace because yes. uh, I'm not sure that Chuck had a ton of peace in his lifetime. He was a uh, he was a spirited guy. Uh, yeah. you know, he, he always you'd, you'd run into him. He seemed like maybe slightly homeless, but he always had like a monogrammed uh, Oxford shirt on. Mm-hmm. You know, so always. Uh, so yeah. I'm not sure. Did, did I call him a happy guy? I mean, uh, yeah, strange, yeah, but true. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. always imagine that Chuck came from some kind of uh, very privileged background and and kind of uh, you know. <laughs> uh, Threw himself. Uh, he was a. Uh, he was one of those people that, uh, almost in a shamanistic way, uh, yeah. kind of a seeker of disrespect. Almost, you yes. know, it took it on. Uh, took that burden upon himself. Uh-huh. So, and you said you did know Chuck. So I did tell, know Chuck. Tell us, tell us about how you knew Chuck. Was that through the Rose Tattoo connection, or uh, you know, it's he was the guitar player in the band Fire. With like Jimmy Chubbuck. He was Jimmy Chubbuck was guitar player, and uh, Chuck was the front man, the singer. That's right. right. Sorry, I screwed that up. And so I knew him through the music deal. Right through the music scene, and like, of course, friends of mine, pretty good, good friends of mine, were good, good friends of theirs. Were very, you know. So I knew Chuck, and I knew Chuck 
throughout just growing up here, it seems like our paths just kind of crossed, you know? And, uh, yeah, he was definitely one of those guys. Um, kind of a magic guy. Kind of uh, very, as far as his, as far as the craft, as far as music life, very charismatic, great front man. I mean, it's kind of that, it's like kind of that Ramones thing where he wasn't, you know, attractive in that sense, but his charisma from stage was strong. Right. And his songs were obviously just heart-wrenchingly honest. And you just could always, their band was heart-wrenchingly honest, you know what I mean? Fire was just a great, great band. Those, a lot of, I don't, there's no way to really tell it. It's right. one of those things you had to, but you know, you know there. well, sure, you were sure. in some of those bands. Right. That in, back in those days, it just I, wasn't recorded, you had to be there. I remember Chuck telling me about uh, a gig they did at at the Rose Tat uh, Rose Tattoo. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's right there across from from uh, Tepatina's yes. on the other side of of the street yeah. uh, on Napoleon, uh, but the same side of Chop Tools. It's now Thomas Mann Gallery. Right, right. Thomas Mann lives there actually yeah. upstairs, I believe. Everybody yeah. um, has the gallery downstairs, the workshop, and all. But uh, I remember Chuck telling me about a gig they did there, and they charged a dollar at the door. Now. I think the Rose Tattoo probably held like 125 people packed. Right, right. They made $1,000 yeah. at $1 a person because during their gig, they ran 1,000 people through there. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, man. Yeah. You know, yeah, well, well, was cool. Uh, well, uh, to, to get another Rose Tattoo story that's come up on here, uh, we had... Uh, uh, David Turgeon, David Slut uh -huh. on, and, and they, you know, the Sluts, uh, you know, Jimmy's first band that he, yes. that he played guitar in, Jimmy right. Chubbuck. The Sluts. David Turgeon had the 100 foot chord. Right. And uh, one right. time he, he the band was playing in the Rose Tattoo. He walked out the front door of the Rose Tattoo, crossed Napoleon Street, was standing inside of Tips, of tips still singing with the band. <laughs> <laughs> at the Rose Tattoo. Very nice. Didn't he just get on... Uh, the bus came by. And he RGA? got on the bus. <laughs> and he got on the, the road bus. to the dome. Okay. Well, no, I don't... I think he no, just yes. rode maybe about 50 feet. Uh, Very nice. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, he only had so much cord. Yeah. Story, yeah. Cr crazy crazy yes. days. Anyway... So, uh, so yeah, Chuck Riley. Chuck uh, Riley. You know, never be, never be another like him. Man. No, in answer, then also in, in addendum to your thing about him seeming like a guy of privilege, some of the, now he would tell grand stories that, uh, and uh, like many of the mystic, shamanistic type dudes, they would seem to be mixtures of maybe reality and fantasy. It was hard to tell. He told the story that he went to Exeter Academy or whatever it is with like three past and current presidents. Yeah. And that he had been booted out for whatever. I believe it, man. And he, and he was definitely, you know, was true part of the McElhenney family. That was his background. You know, oh, is that? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know he was that. The All black right. sheep of the McElhenney family. Okay, who has Tabasco. Tabasco. Tabasco exactly. Company. Right, yes. right, right, right. Yes. So Chuck okay. Riley was part of that family. Okay, then that's not. Uh, so you that's think not your the, read was correct. That's not the Boatner Riley family, is it? That's I not uh, the community coffee Rileys, huh? Fuck, I don't know. Could be. I don't know. I don't They're know, like man. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 
Anyway, okay, well, uh, uh, back to uh, to Frenchmen and charters mm-hmm. and pot prison. Pot now, I, prison. Now, I know that Did name from from, uh, from Damon Shea. Damon uh, Shea. The drummer from uh, Dearly Say Departed. It uh, Say it again. Damon, Damon Shea. Shea. Dearly Departed drummer for Tribe Nunzio yes. and the Geraniums yes. with me for 25 years. And, and me and for another 20. Probably. Yeah, yeah, you played many bands with him. Yes. And... Uh, and we were rehear- we were going to rehearse it at your house one time for mm. one of the the tribe nunzio yeah. uh, reunions where they got me to play keyboards. Right, and uh, and he said, "Yeah, we're doing it at Pot Prison." <laughs> and I said, "Why do you call it that?" He said, "Because he always makes us smoke so much pot there <laughs> that uh, I don't know. You feel like a prisoner. Yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I was uh, I love that name. Yeah. So anyway, you've been there for a good long time. Good long time. You've seen this whole. So what are your thoughts on the the current state? I know there were the, uh, there was a, an article recently in Offbeat magazine, and it had to do with the. Uh, what was the word they used? The uh, the rancid quality of of Frenchman Street today. Now now I gotta say, I have seen the the turn uh, you know to mm. to the from Frenchman being the the quaint little corridor that it was mm-hmm. when we're when Tribe Nunzio and the Iguanas were first playing there. Uh-huh. The first takeover. To to you know having. 30 clubs on the street and, and uh, you know, a lot of, like, uh, homeless people hanging out and, and a lot of garbage and it stinks and uh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, so, so now you, you, you tell us as, as, as someone there every day. Give, give us your, your thoughts. All right. First, an image. The thought in images, right? One of the ways... I think about the entire transition over that this long period of time. And it's not exclusive to Frenchmen, this one. I just witnessed it there, right? Mm-hmm. What you have is much like, say, the, the American West. An indigenous population is there doing this thing that they do untroubled, unthought, untroubled untroubled men unthought of they're just artistic fucking people and this happens somewhere always everywhere somewhere right Mm -hmm. they somehow they come together from the different parts of the world that it happens and the right thing and the right atmosphere is created where it's open whatever there's a right owner this part of how it happens which people is okay dismissing away the woman the reason I've lived on the corner all that time I rent from a woman she's a a total down art socialist, right? Okay. Her allowance, when it first starts to bubble, her allowance of it, her letting me, her having me live there all that time, maintaining, and not only me, but the other people who've lived in the bit, which have all been not only artists, but, you know, waiters, bar manager, bartender, you know, the things that make this work are something that happened at an organic level where it the right people, it was allowed by people to start bubbling up, where it's students artists some professional musicians some wackadoos whatever starts to happen right you got this indigenous population where it's going people are going to be people are interested in it and they settlers begin to descend on the scene some of them want to wear skins like you and live like you mm-hmm. some of them are straight up cowboys just to want to see the open land that's chance for opportunity right mm-hmm. they're straight up white folk moving in right got all these different but it's all white it's all new they're not the indigenous people who are creating this little arts pocket that created the 
the mass that's attracting it all. Right. But there's absolutely nothing, as in the West, as in however idealistic you wish to frame it, nothing you can do about it. There's just too many of them. Just like white people. It was not. Yeah. It wasn't anything, <laughs> nothing. You can believe what you want. The Indians believe what they, you know what I mean? Native could believe what you believe what you want. There's too many of them. They keep coming in giant waves, right? Doing their own thing in that, in that space. There's no Make, holding them back. Changing the space. Now, you can't live indigenously anymore once the space is all fences and farms. You can put on an Indian show. You can give them Wild Bill, uh -huh. but you can't live necessarily anymore, that way. Right. Okay. Some, maybe a lucky few can. Maybe that's, you know, maybe I'm the last of the Mohicans. That's why I okay. sometimes use that phrase. Because luckily, like I say, I got the perfect little situation. Whether crafted or a bit of nature and a bit of what I call, you know, the natural thing. I don't look at it as a thing of design, but mm. that's so that's an image of kind of what happens, right? Specifically to call out the what I would call a current attitude about, oh, it's not as you know, it's deteriorated because it's funky or because it's the bands didn't play something I think is artsy enough music or whatever that is that people do. Mm -hmm. It's a working tool today. Like every day, every time I play there, I play there a lot. I see somebody wide-eyed, magic, right? I can. They'll tell me it. I play a mediocre gig, and they'll be like, "Oh my God, this is the best kind of. I can't believe it!" Right? That's. They got magical feelings because they walked into a place, there was music and people, they hung out with people that they had no intention of hanging out with. I think that's the critical part and that's what's still, and that's why it's a working tool. You go to that street, it's the public, you're with the public, not people that you choose, not people like you. And then music happens, you're dancing next to them. And suddenly that's what the hell we were trying to do this whole time. That's what the whole purpose of the thing is. That communal experience yes. is the magic. That is what we're doing, right? So that's some ways that I see it. So you think that, that nostalgia for a uh, 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 time when it was simpler and all that's, that's uh, neither here nor there. That's Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it doesn't... That no, like oh my god, and I'm not like you're wrong, you're right. So I just, why is okay, it so violent whatever. now? It's not. It's why not, do you think it's violent? I now? just. I, I well, he's really talking about Frenchman Street. You're talking about New Orleans, huh, Manny? No, uh, I, I hear, I see the reports. That guy got, that kid got dragged on a car down the Marigny and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, I don't. I don't see. I don't. I don't feel like it's dangerous there. No. You know, I don't feel. No, like if I'm, anything I'm, less, of course. Because there's so many just, people. I mean. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I just don't like, you know, I mean, I'm not going to call people out who have yeah, certain yeah, yeah. things no, to say. I hate yeah, to yeah, do that. Yeah, no, you don't, um, no, don't when need I, to uh, well, hurt did, anybody's did, feelings. Didn't our but. mayor appoint someone for that area in the oh. French Quarter to uh, kind of look over the music clubs and all that kind of stuff? There was a big article about it just mm -hmm. recently, mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. in Anti-Gravity magazine or something like that. And this guy has just basically failed. And he's a club owner himself. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember his name. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. But uh, he's basically just failed everyone in that area. Uh, well, go ahead. Well, that's interesting because it's something that comes up, you know, 
it, this is an interesting thing that comes up here. It comes up at Frenchman. And it's interesting because I live, you know, three feet, my bedroom, three feet from the wall of the club next to my house, um, Cafe Negril. And my front door is wide open to the actual corner there. So I'm pumping three or four clubs in that way. So I, ser I know what, I understand like the, whatever they say, the, uh, the residents, the way that you just mean. So that's one of the ways in which I say that I'm very qualified to speak on it because I'm actually a resident there. I understand the frustrations with the club. I understand. I get it from all those sides. But what ends up being the case, time in a cycle, when I guess the powers that be are the people that have enough money care, they get either a police, or what they call a, a, a quality of life officer, or they get a quality of life officer somewhere up the bureaucratic thing. Mm -hmm. But of course they can't do anything because you know, it's America and you're free to make money as the club next to you does, as it should be. And as I don't, it doesn't have to be designed. Like It's plenty to let it just be good capitalism. That's a beautiful design. You, you can sneer at you want. You don't like the people from Alabama because they listen to foreigner or whatever. I just don't know what to tell you. Close your eyes, just like you tell them to close their eyes at gay marriage or whatever. Just close your eyes. That's people. That's people who are having a good time having a great time and I just don't judge any of that and I just boom you know I don't know what to say okay no I a like party's it. a mess a party's a mess and it's certainly not done with a design or regulatory anything from above you know that's just not going to be a party sure well you th there's no way to there's no way to do that anyway you know yeah. and and now I, I I always hear uh People keep talking about, uh, well, we need to organize musicians in New Orleans. You know, we uh -huh. need to mm -hmm. need to have a meeting and and mm -hmm. uh, talk about how we can, uh, you know, raise wages and and you know take some of these uh, exploitive practices yeah. uh, out of play. And I think, well, when I was growing up. We had a musicians' union. We actually had organized labor. We had the yeah. AFL-CIO that could shut down any bar or hotel in the city if if they didn't adhere to the you know to the the, the union standards. But then I don't know, maybe 1979 or 80 or so that we passed right to, right work, to work in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Now that's all over. Yes. That's the, the unions were, were completely uh, uh, castrated yeah. at that point. And that was our best chance to, to have these, this kind of, you know, collective bargaining, this, this you know, the, the power of, 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 of a union of organized yes. labor. And, once that's gone, it's it's a slow or fast slide back into feudalism, and that's where we are now. Yeah. So what you're going to do? You can have as many meetings as you want, as long as you have no power to enforce any of this. It's it's all just talk. Yeah. And was music ever a good idea to get into if you wanted a steady income and like to have a house and a family? I don't. That was never part of what I heard. Yeah. Now, I know it had been in the 40s and shit, but certainly while well, I got it, I got into it for fucking rock and roll and bad tr trouble, bad trouble, you know? Right. That's what I was into. And I'm not turning my back on that because I'm not trying to be some, you know what I mean? I mean, that's great. We should get paid. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. And I'm, all, and I'm also pro-union to the max. And nice in general sure know? sure yeah, even I still, when i don't like the work as uh, i said about the writer's strike in hollywood i'm 
down with collective labor. I'm 100% behind your strike, and you write like shit. You know what I mean? Come on, guys. In 30 seconds, I know the villain. I, you never surprise me. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Do better work. That has nothing to do with the strike. I 100% support labor, always collective labor, always will. Uh, and... But that was yeah shot down long ago in Louisiana for music. Right, right, right. For, now it brings up an, another point. I, I so you you are a philosopher. Uh, you know you, you're a thinker. Um, I, I saw on, on your Facebook uh, page the other day you had a, a quote from uh, Diogenes, mm. and it was, uh, it was talking about how uh, uh, self-taught parody as or poverty rather as instruction. <laughs> Both, are Both are good. Yes, <laughs> but uh, how how you can learn uh, more from poverty than than in all the philosophy you can study, and I, I really uh, I, that that resonated with me. Uh huh. Yeah. Because I think you know poverty teaches you. Uh, to readjust, reframe uh, your expectations and, and really concentrate on what's important. Yeah. I don't know. What did you mean by, by posting that or what was, uh, what, what was your intent? That's something that, uh, yeah, same as it just sort of resonated with me. Obviously, it popped up on my feed and it resonated with me. And because I had been thinking it and I had been thinking a little more in a certain more practical term but also true in that sense is that i'm also like a health diet don't want to call it a fanatic but i've been very into it my whole life and uh various things like i went through periods of vegetarianism macrobiotic tried to be a breatharian back in the day all the way i was live food only for a while i ate then i ate nothing but like you know the the thing where you eat the ribeye in the morning with a protein shake i did that for a while and so i've messed with diet a lot and being very poor makes it harder to make bad diet choices. It's just like you're forced to brown rice and a pot of beans, you know. And so that's one way. And then also in the way of, yeah, just cutting out those indulgences, etc. Just, to, you know, I don't know. I just think it... I'm glad I have... But that doesn't really bring you happiness anyway. All those no. things that people are chasing after that they, no. they think money is going to solve the, the hole in their no. soul. It's not going not gonna to do it. No, and to, <laughs> to even to tie it back to the music thing, which has never been a financial windfall for me. There's been times when I did, we did pretty good. Okay. Uh, hey, but I don't, money doesn't hurt, man. I don't think... No, no, no. no. You can't yeah. live without it. I don't yeah. think any of yeah. us, I don't think musicians, artists, or, I mean, any of us, really, but especially us, musicians, etc., would be able to do that without this support network around us. I have my, you know, my significant other, my girl, who's, you know... Well, yeah, your guitar I player, you're always going to have the, a girl who's I have the you. landlady... Like I told you, she's a supporter of the scene, a supporter of the arts that I do and understands if I have gaps, you know what I mean? Mm. So having all these kind of people, certain people that will maybe guys a little better off that'll, you know, loan you gear, whatever it is that it ends up to being part of the discipline of music that we were were talking about it earlier, part of what it's poverty is part of it, really, honestly. I mean, that's why I say I don't think it's 
some of these frustrations from the young cats with the scene and the music and how it's the recompensation is that they seem to expect like I guess they told them that at Noka or something like you're gonna make a living at this shit I mean I don't know who the fuck told you that bro <laughs> but dude no one ever told me that you know what I mean they said it's gonna be fucking hard you know what I mean like right. even you know what I mean like, well that's the whole thing you know people say oh my, my child wants to be huh. a musician do you have any any uh, advice for him and I say yeah don't yeah, don't, right. don't well, do it see I wouldn't and, say that because it's been I wouldn't trade that's what I'm talking about with the poverty too is that, that, that I'm so glad now I look at back I'm kind of look I'm not saying I look back but I'm older and I'm looking back to think I've already had a career in music right and it's not what you'd call a successful one in terms of no one knows you know that not what I wanted to be and no one knows me and I don't tour around like even you know guys I know so but You're it's been it. highly successful for me you don't understand what it's highly done satisfying. for me, how it satisfied this entire life journey that I did things for me I can't express to you I can't express to a person that you have to go through it or something to, to get this but and like the songs that I write I write them for me I write for me it's healing me it's healed me Right. It fixed me, Renee. Yeah. Music fixed me. Well, Creating what, music fixed me. Yes. Well, when I when I tell Priceless, when right? I when I tell people that advice, don't do it. Yeah. I don't mean like people told me that, and I did it anyway. That's part of it too. I because agree with you. Yes. because you I have had to, do to. That. resistance and and yes. and so if you tell some child don't do it and they yes. go and do it anyway, that's who needs to be doing it. Yes. Because if you will be turned off by someone mm -hmm. telling you don't do it you shouldn't be in it anyway yeah because i express that to people it's going to be way harder than than you understand yeah exactly i tried to express that but to way more they don't get it but nice. way more fulfilling fulfilling than you can yes. possibly understand and that resistance seems to have it's part of the this grand opening and reset of you know the social system that it's now this cool okay it's an okay way to make a living it's come out of the shadows right and so kids are just encouraged and sent to like this, the music school and the business part and there's encouraged to do it with no resistance from when and I was I say the same thing I'm like wow I just I remember a lot of resistance and then I think it made the guys good it made the people who were like obsessed with it do it well it, it, it who it, have to do it it shook out all the weak hands yeah man. I mean I couldn't I have to I had to. Right. It, it was. It's a calling. Yeah. It's beyond. It's like. It's like shitting. It's beyond a calling. It's like a biological necessity. There you go. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And it's crazy. You know. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I, I like your your matter of fact take on all this. Well, you know, it's it's very pragmatic. You know. Ah, uh, well, I like pragmatism. Yeah. Well, I like pragmatic stuff. Nice. Nice. Well, so, uh, you know, we're kind of uh, getting on the, the, the downslope here. What haven't we covered, Kenny? What, uh, what, what, what haven't the, we in covered? The, in the, the I don't know. Kenny Claiborne saga, you know, we've, uh, uh, well, I know now you're, you're, you're still very much a part of the, 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 the Frenchman yes. Street scene. I mean, you're What's still. What's that Cafe Brazil now? What, what Cafe Brazil now is a place called Favela Chic. And what is that? And it's that a, owned by a Brazilian guy. Got Brazilian food and some. So it's a restaurant. It's a restaurant and a bar. It, There's it, live music. It looks almost oh, yeah. exactly the same. They it's still, almost the same. They, they moved have, the stage back. They still have paintings. Uh, still have Justin, paintings, uh, yes. what's his Justin? Uh, Justin Forbes. Timberlake. Justin Forbes uh, Justin, paintings on the walls. Yeah, they 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 sold yes. they sold the building with his fantastic. I love that guy's fucking painting. It's the timeline. I I have I have uh, two of Justin Forbes paintings in my house. It's like a time machine when I play there because. 
it's very strange for me. I was playing there 30 years ago. It was weird. Yeah. So you, you still play there yeah, three or four nights a week. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, sure. And, and that's where and I ran into awesome. you. Were, yeah. you were, uh, my, my wife was asking me, oh, when, when have you seen have you seen Kenny recently? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I saw On him two gig. nights ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, how we past. always see each other. Right. Run by a door. Hey, hey. We keep going, you know. All right, well, let's. Uh, we come to the end of the show. Is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. I wanted to fish for some controversy. Oh, well. yeah, oh no, uh, no, no, no. That's uh, seems like uh, the place is starting to really jump with the juggalos yeah, now. It's getting loud, so we right. always right. end the show by saying, uh, What do we say? It's trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Thank you. I am the meaning of the vision, I am the keeper of the flame. Fill in the blanks that you're missing Five dollars gets you a name I am a mystical physician I can administer the cure Girl, you got doubts, you got fear One hit will make you sure The gifts given to an angel the things we hold inside Cleaning up the problem Eating kits that I provide There is a worm that has been weaving For hours and hours upon the loom Buy a ticket to the breathing Watch the walls of your room There's somewhere you want to be leaving Well, you're getting out soon Hey, I'll meet you in a parking lot After the show, midnight or high noon The gifts given to an angel Are the things we hold inside Problem taking hits that I provide. I can administer the cure You got doubts, you got fears, girl Well, one hit will make you sure Going out on tour tomorrow Won't be back for weeks, months, days, and years I told you already We're facing down our greatest fear Gifts given to an angel are the things 